the truth is Valentine's Day is really about the lady, not the guy, right? But I think I want to challenge us wives that we can bring it and do something fun. Maybe it's on day four, Teddy Day. Oh, there can, you go. That's right. That's right. So if we just accomplish that of all the seven, I, I'm, I'm pretty confident. And we're I'll- not talking about Build-A-Bear. Welcome to the Art of Spousing podcast, and thank you for taking time to listen today. We're super excited about the content we want to share with you, and we believe that's going to be helpful for your marriage practice. Hey, if you're new to the show, we want you to know that the reason we do this podcast is because we believe that every marriage can move from mundane to masterpiece level. But we know personally that that work of art doesn't just appear. It requires intentionality and practice to be crafted and shaped. Our goal with every episode is to give you tools to practice that will help your relationship not just survive, but thrive. Before we jump into today's topic, we want to make sure you know about the Marriage Reboot Retreat. This is a two-day intensive with James and I, where we focus on defining the purpose and vision for your marriage. If you want a greater connection with your spouse, if you are tired of feeling stuck in the same old, same old, if you desire to feel the thrill of fun and discovery again, like you did when you first met, we can help. We support couples to reconnect, recharge, and re-engage to pursue their life purpose together. The Marriage Reboot Retreat by Marry for a Purpose is a private intensive experience for you and your spouse, working exclusively with Lisa and I for two consecutive full days. At the end of the two days, you will walk away with a unified purpose for your marriage and a holistic vision for your marriage and family supported with a real action plan. If you would like to find out more information about the Marriage Reboot Retreat, you can set up a discovery call with James and I, and we will tell you more about it. You can schedule that call with us with the link in the show notes or go online at artofspousing.com backslash coaching. This episode is the first episode in the month of February, also known as the month of love. Come on. Mostly because of Valentine's Day. But Lisa, did you know that Valentine's Day is really Valentine's week with each day offering an opportunity for love? Very cool. Isn't that fun? Did you know that? No, I didn't So there's 12 days of Christmas, and now I know that there's seven days of Valentine's. This is going to put a lot of pressure on some guys and listening. I know. So the first day, which is... February 7th is Rose Day. That makes sense that you give your spouse roses. Probably, guys, you're probably giving your wife roses. The second day, February 8th, is Proposed Day. So if there happens to be anybody listening that's you know not married and you have the significant other, maybe that's the day that you pop the question, yeah. right? Yeah. The third day is Chocolate Day, which I think is good for everybody. And by the way, I like milk chocolate. Right. And then the fourth day is Teddy Day. And I'm not sure if that's about teddy bears or lingerie. You can go either direction. You can do whatever. I kind of like the... Whatever, but yes, yes. let's move on. The fifth day... The fifth day is Promise Day. So I think you make promises to each other. The sixth day is Hug Day, which hug it out, Mm -hmm. you know? Love it. And then the seventh day gets a little bit more intimate, Kiss Day. And then finally, February 14th is Valentine's Day. So there you go, Valentine's Week. Awesome. I love it. I do feel like a lot of those things are designed for guys to do for us ladies. I mean, the truth is Valentine's Day is really about the lady, not the guy, right? But I think I want to challenge us wives that we can bring it and do something fun. Maybe it's on day four, Teddy Day. There you go. That's right. That's right. So if we just accomplish that of all the seven, I'm I'm pretty confident. And we're not talking about Build-A-Bear. No. (laughs) We have a friend who thinks Valentine's Day is like High Holy Day. That's right. She does. She does. And you know who you are, Julie Mullins. 
I can't believe listening. you just said her name. Maybe you shouldn't say her name. <laughs> but literally, it's almost as big as Christmas to her. It's very important. So, James, maybe you need to let her husband know yeah. that he's aware of these seven because he could be taking it to the next level. So, why not? I yeah, mean, why? it's a great time to go all out and express your love to Fantastic. Spouse, right? That's right. You know, I find it fascinating to learn about how holidays started. It's interesting in Valentine's Day, I don't know if you know this, Lisa, but it goes all the way back to around 270 AD. I did know this, James. I had this data in my head. Did you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so the Roman Emperor Claudius II decided that single men made better soldiers than those with wives and families, mm. which I could see that. Yeah, it makes sense. So he actually outlawed marriage for young men, which would totally stink. St. Valentine of Rome, realizing the injustice of the decree, he defied Claudius and continued to actually perform these clandestine marriages in secret for young lovers. And when Valentine's actions were discovered, Claudius actually ordered that he be put to death. St. Valentine is said to have cut hearts from parchment, giving them to those soldiers and persecuted Christians, which is possibly the origin of the widespread use of hearts on St. Valentine's Day. Did he die? That's all I want to know. St. Valentine's Day? Yeah, did he? Did yeah, the guy, he was he, put to death. Well, I didn't know if it was just like maybe he ran away in secret. No, he does, I he just said to, that he was put to death. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Okay, I'm sorry. You I was missed just, that part of the story. I totally missed it because I was just worried about him dying. Okay. I'm glad it was so profound. Okay. <laughs> but anyways, that's one of the legends of the origin of Valentine's Day. One thing we know for sure that today it's all about love and romance and the opportunity to surprise and delight your spouse. So we've had some great Valentine's Days. Yeah. Over our 30 years of marriage, right? So we've been married 30 years, but we dated three years. So I have 33 mm-hmm. Valentines from you. So you crushed it one year. Specifically. S- specifically. Only one year. No, no, hold on. Hold on. <laughs> wait for it. I, di- I didn't start out right, but you know, wait for it. One year, we were married, I think, nine years because our oldest was in first grade. Right. You did the most creative, thematic Valentine's Day that awarded you a pass on Valentine's Day gifts or surprises for me for the lifetime that we're married. Well, I haven't taken advantage of that, but... But I granted it to you. It was pretty cool. It was pretty cool. It was a Mission Impossible Valentine's. And this was back when you had to have a CD player, like the portable CD player. the Walkman. Yeah, the Walkman. So the first place I showed up, I actually cleaned houses back then. So I was there... I got this CD, it was sitting there, so he had gone to the place where I clean house, left this, so I popped in this, and it said, Lisa, listen to this. It was like, dun, dun, da, da, dun, dun, dun. If you choose to accept this mission, then I went to the next thing. I was at car line picking up our daughter, and the car lady comes over to me with a CD. Right. So the whole day was sprinkled with these CDs that took me to the next mission, which led to dinner. You had arranged childcare for the kids, which led to a great Valentine's night. That's right, which was the ultimate mission. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so it was really your mission. Anyway, but I was like, this was so creative. It took a lot of energy and effort. And so it actually, I was so blown away by it that you would be so thoughtful that I truly did give you a pass. And you haven't taken your pass, but right. you still it's still granted to you. So right. you don't have to do seven days. And I think Mission Possible, like 15, is coming out now. So it's still relevant. <laughs> Somebody wants to take up that, that <laughs> ability. But yeah, Valentine's Day is really great. And it's awesome to go all out from time to time to express love to one another and fan that romantic flame. 
But today, we want to talk about how to show an extraordinary love to one another, not just Valentine's Day or Valentine's Week, Mm -hmm. but consistently every day of your married life. So what we want to do is we want to take a look at a really familiar Bible passage and unpack some truths, some practices, if you will, that we see in this passage. Even if you don't read the Bible or know the Bible, I'm sure that you're familiar with this passage. Mm-hmm. It's uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. It's like the most famous wedding scripture. So if you've been any weddings, you've probably heard this passage read by the pastor or somebody at that wedding. We use this passage of scripture in our wedding, and it really does frame what our love looks like. The truth is the standard that Apostle Paul lays out in 1 Corinthians 13 describes a perfect love. It's the way God loves us. So we really will never be able to perfectly demonstrate this kind of love in our humanness. And so we're not suggesting that because we don't want anyone beating themselves up over this. We do believe it gives concrete ways to practice loving each other. So loving at a new level. Talking about practices, it might be good to review what we think about practices. And if you go back all the way to our very first episode, we talked about the idea that a lot of couples have the practice the institution, the marriage, Mm -hmm. but they're not doing the practices that are going to keep their marriage. They're going to keep their marriage vibrant and thriving. Yes. We talked about that the practices is spelled with an S and practice, the institution is spelled with a C. So what we're talking about today are three practices that are going to continually propel your love, propel your marriage, and help you move from mundane to masterpiece level. You're going right? to level up your love. Level up your love. I like that. <laughs> yeah. When we talk about love, our love is an outward expression, right? It, it should be more than just a about how we express love to one another, but there should be something about the standard of love that speaks to the world. One of the purposes for our marriage is actually to demonstrate to the world what real love looks like, right? right. What God's love looks like. And you know, that's that's a great way to kind of frame this is it's leveling up our love that we demonstrate to one another but that we can also be an example to the world. The Bible mentions love multiple times, and as Christ followers, how we're to love each other. There's this passage where Jesus is talking in John 13, 35, and he says, by this, all people will know that you're my disciples if you have love for one another. I love it. Yeah. And so actually, we want to level up our love because we want to enjoy, not just endure our married life, But we do know it's not all about us, that there are other people watching Mm -hmm. that see it. So we know the way we love each other should be different than the way the world loves each other in relationships. But specifically, we're talking about our marriage relationship. I know our love for each other has actually been a, a model for other people. And I love that. People have come to me and said, I see when you walk in the room, mm-hmm. James always stands and comes over and greets you. I see because we do work together. So there's opportunities right. for people to see how we show respect and love for one another is that you respect him when there's a, when you disagree on maybe a strategy yeah. or a, a, an event or a circumstance. So we're able to model love for other people and how to do it. The truth is we've only been able to do that one, because of Christ in us, but two, because we've had people ahead of us who've been modeling that, that we've gone, I like that. 
Right. I'm going to do that. I right, like exactly. that. I'm going to do that. So it's not a perfect love, but it's hopefully inspiring. That's awesome. So let me read these verses and then we can add some commentary around them and unpack these practices. Sounds great. First Corinthians 13, starting around verse four says, love is always patient and kind. It's never jealous. Love is never boastful or conceited. It's never rude or selfish. It does not take offense and it's not resentful. Love takes no pleasure in other people's sin, but delights in the truth. It's always ready to excuse, to trust, to hope, and to endure whatever comes. Love does not come to an end. So in the short passage are like 16 descriptions of what perfect love looks like, right? Right, right. This passage also gives me like this visual image in my head because I see things very practically of this like checklist. One side is what to do and the other side is what not to do. Right. We want to give you three practices though that will sum up this passage that you can take your love to the next level because who wants to just stay where you currently are in love? Right. We always want to increase. So the first one is is we need to practice patience and kindness with one another. Being patient is actually really difficult. It, really <laughs> it takes a lot of discipline not to be in a hurry, not to push past a moment. It drives me crazy when you're at a stoplight, yeah. it's red, then it turns green, and you hardly have time to lift your foot off the brake. I hate this. And, <laughs> try, and put it on the gas that some dingling five yeah. cars back is blowing the horn as if you're not going to move. Like they're just judging that you're on your phone. So impatient. Not, yes, so impatient. If we're not careful in our married life, we can get into the habit of honking the proverbial horn at our spouse when they don't move or act quickly as they think they should, or that we ourselves would. Mm. I love the definition of patience. It's able to accept or tolerate delays, problems, or suffering without becoming annoyed or anxious. I just lied. I don't love this definition. This is a very hard definition to discipline yourself in, but it does frame it out. Love is patient. That's that's true. And one of the things I would just add here is that maybe your, your relationship right now in your marriage, your spouse isn't maybe where you want them to be. Mm. or the idea of what you have for your relationship isn't there. But this next level love is dependent on each person. So it's dependent upon you to have patience and allow God to do the work in your relationship and with your spouse to tolerate maybe delays of Mm -hmm. what you think. The patience is actually for each one of us to be patient, right? Right. So I think that's really good, not being annoyed or anxious. I love this thought that true love actually lengthens the fuse of patience. Yeah. So when we're practicing this kind of love with the intention of really preferring one another, it's going to lengthen, it's going to increase our, our patience. Mm-hmm. We all, I also wrote this down that love covers a multitude of irritations. <laughs> I know. I know. I know I irritate you all the time, but no, no. So I'm glad you're patient with me. Your rhetorical questions don't bother me at all. <laughs> I think the other part of that practice is not just patience, but kindness mm. too, right? The kindness of always looking for ways to lift your spouse up. You always, do a great job with this. Oh, I appreciate that. You do too. Always looking for ways to, to help carry the load, the consideration of one another's needs. You know what you did the other day? This week I had a really bad 12 hours, which rolled into the next day. Mm -hmm. So it started in the evening and rolled into the next day and I was at work and you knew I was sensitive and I was exhibiting a lot of self-control. And so you came to me with a coffee in my office Mm -hmm. and you just, you didn't say any words. 
you're just like, just hand you a coffee. Yep. Just hand me a coffee. But that small gesture, I'm thinking of you. I know that you're powering through Lisa. You got this. I've got you. It was truly an act of kindness. Well, you know, and when we're talking about these practices, patience and kindness seem like kind of like common sense, obviously. But we know that common sense is not common common practice, practice. right? (laughs) And the easiest things to do are sometimes often the easiest things not to do. So the easiest things to do are oftentimes the easiest things not not to to do. do. We can say that obviously you got to be patient and kind with your spouse, but how are you practicing that? It's oftentimes in the very small things that Mm -hmm. seem so easy to do, taking your spouse their favorite treat or coffee. That's an act of kindness. It's not that hard to do, but oftentimes we get so busy in the the whirlwind of life that we're not doing those things or obviously being patient, but how hard is it in the pressure of the moment to actually stop and pause before you react, mm-hmm. right? It's a great lesson. I think also in this kindness thing, there's a opportunity to really lean into love languages. I know that acts of service is your love language. So for me to serve you a cup of coffee is actually speaking a love language to you. And so I think those things are really important in preferring one another and, and how we practice this love of patience and kindness with one another. True. So the second practice is the practice of forgiveness. It says that love is always forgiving. It's not offendable. It doesn't hold regrets. It doesn't hold on to a list of wrongs. But this one's hard because it's so easy to be offended by each other. And Lisa, really, even after 30 years of marriage, the smallest things can cause one of us to feel offended sometimes. Right. And that's why we are such big proponents of dealing with small offenses quickly so they don't build up and cause us to actually live offended with one another, right? Right. And I know there's a range in a married relationship that you're working through forgiveness for. So I certainly wouldn't want to simplify Mm -hmm. how easy forgiveness is, right? because we may not be looking to forgive small offenses. There may be some people listening that they're really trying to overcome and continue yeah. forgiving things that are really broken mad. trust or infidelity and things yeah. like that. That's that's a big issue that takes a lot of time. So we're not minimizing or saying what we're about to talk about. What I'm about right. to talk about forgiveness is that there's counseling, there's things that go in and around that, but the principle is still true. Yeah, it, it, is. it doesn't change, which is forgiveness is the key to avoiding resentment. Great marriages are made up of two great forgivers. That's right. I know from my own personal life that forgiveness is a choice. Feelings will follow. We often don't feel like forgiving. It's true. Our sinful nature will want to hold on to things. When we don't fully forgive, we risk allowing hurt and offenses to build up. Mm-hmm. And we often say small offenses build large fences, That's right. which divides us. So true forgiveness allows for grace and growth. James, I shared in a previous episode something I'm currently learning and applying new practices around, which for us for 30 years, it does let you know that we're both still growing. Right. We have not arrived. And if we think we have at any point in your marriage, that's when things are going to start yeah, getting a little exactly. sideways. But anyway, when I'm overwhelmed in kindness... You actually are very kind. You are always looking for ways to help. But sometimes when I'm overwhelmed, your help is not received mm-hmm. very well. 
I can't explain it. It's probably some family of origin issue. I have no idea, personality issue, but I'm just not that kind. So I have asked for forgiveness. There was a moment that happened. I know exactly. We were on military trail. We were in your truck. Right. I know it happened, and I, I knew that it was wrong that I was talking to you that way. I didn't make excuses. I just said, James, will you please forgive me mm-hmm. for talking to you that way? To which you said, Absolutely. Right. And I said, I will get a strategy to not do this kind of response anymore. But the truth is, I'm still on a learning curve. I'm sorry. (laughs) I'm sorry. My natural tendency under stress requires me to access self-control. So I do have some stop points in my moments, but I do tend to get overwhelmed easily. And so I have blown it a time or two since I asked for forgiveness Mm -hmm. in that moment. Right. But you still choose to forgive that initial... Offense. offense. Right. And ongoing forgiveness. You know, it's interesting. I was just actually reading in the book of Matthew today about where Peter asked Jesus about forgiveness. And Jesus replied, Don't you just don't forgive once, you actually forgive 70 times, seven times. Mm. And I wonder if that's because we do have tendencies that sometimes are hard to overcome. Like you're working on some tendencies and trying to be intentional about those things. But the grace, the kind of go, I'm not going to just say, well, that's just how you are and you're never going to change, but the continually to offer grace and forgiveness in Mm -hmm. those areas that maybe our spouse is struggling in or trying to overcome or make a difference in, you know? Right. Well, I think that you could keep a record of wrongs Mm -hmm. and this passage talks about that. Right. Because I do have a record of wrongs in this area. Right. So you could keep those stockpiling. But I think you have leaned into forgiving. But the other pieces, you know that I'm working. I think when we talk about a marriage relationship, that's where you start getting traction is, I am forgiving you for that, but I'm owning my responsibility to be better. And I'm verbalizing that. So you know there's hope (laughs) that I'm not going to keep doing the same thing. That's where I'm talking about when we talk about the big things that we're forgiving there really has to be right. some movement forward, plan, strategy for different behavior. It's not a continual forgiveness of me yeah. being snotty to you and biting your head off. Yeah. You know, that I can't go, well, that's just the way I am. Right. But I don't want you to manage me. Right. I'd really rather manage myself. Jim Rohn quote for you, James Duval. Oh, come on. If you don't discipline yourself, you will be disciplined. Mm, it's true. And I don't want to be disciplined by life circumstances. I'd really rather discipline myself and lead myself in a way that I'm a mature 51-year-old woman. That does something to me when you mention the Jim Rohn quote. I don't know. <laughs> you know, it's interesting. We've talked about the first two practices, mm-hmm. and the first practice is practicing patience and kindness. And that's the everyday interaction with mm-hmm. one another. The second practice is practicing forgiveness, which happens oftentimes when we blow the everyday interaction together, mm-hmm. right? Right. And then the third practice is practicing building endurance, which has to do with the future, right? Mm-hmm. It's as we are practicing kindness and, and patience, as we're continually forgiving one another, we actually are building endurance endurance. And that that practice is going to allow us to endure through the end. You know, we want our marriage, we want our love to be a a love that will fight to the end, always looking for the best in Mm -hmm. each other and refusing to quit. Right. I love it. In a future episode, we're going to have Pastor Don and Joy Bray on. They've been married 58 years. Right. They've never quit. Right. 
they're never quitting on growing and it's going to be vibrant. You're not going to want to miss that episode. Right. But you know what? It makes me think about building endurance and practicing building endurance. This is my moment to shine. James Duvall, I joined the Nike Run Club. Come coach on. Coach Bennett is my coach. He's like thousands of people's coach. But He's I probably pretend. some AI identity. That. <laughs> but I've run a half marathon, but it's been a long time since I've run. So I'm back to the beginner level. Okay. But he's building endurance with me. Right. So I'm running intervals of a 5K pace, a recovery pace, mm-hmm. a 10K pace, right, a mile pace. All of those paces are different. They're different practices that are building this endurance that I'm going to be able to run longer and stronger and faster. If I weren't practicing those things, mm-hmm. then I wouldn't be able to build the endurance to be able to run three miles at a right. time. The interesting thing is this morning I was setting, reading God's word, and I'm like, it's better for me to sit here and be with the <laughs> Lord than get up and run. You're really, Lord, isn't that what you want me to do is to be with you? It sounds like a good excuse. That's the best excuse ever. But I got up and I made the choice to run because I'm choosing to practice even when it gets tough mm-hmm. because I don't want to quit. And you're building endurance. I am. You know, the way we practice building endurance in our relationship, in our love relationship, is through building trust and hope. Mm. You know, that passage said that love always trusts, always hopes, and then it endures, right? You know, trust comes when we mutually prove ourselves to be reliable, truthful, and able to be dependent upon. You know, the question is, can our spouse actually trust us? Can they rely on us? Can they depend upon us? The the consistency of your character strengthens the trust that your spouse has in your love and in your marriage. And then hope is knowing that you're heading toward the same destination with a plan to get there and the commitment to live it out together. I love that. If you go back a couple episodes ago, we talked about the hope equation, that it's Mm -hmm. the goal, it's a plan, and it's willpower. And as we do that together, our love is going to go to another level. We were looking at the Urban Dictionary on hope, and it said hope's the kind of belief or fortitude we will never give up, and we will fight for each other, no matter how long it takes. I love it. So actually, hope and trust are like the intervals mm-hmm. to my long run. That's good. I'm building I'm building endurance. And when you really look at hope and trust, those can feel very squishy. Like, how do we do it? Mm-hmm. I challenge listeners to figure out what is a way you can level up your love and being a trustworthy person, mm-hmm. trustworthy spouse. And where can you add hope in your life? Yeah. I love it. So there you go. Some thoughts around an extraordinary love that goes beyond Valentine's Day. We would love to hear your thoughts and answer your questions about what we've shared today. You can email us at hello at Art Espousing or direct message us on Instagram at Art Espousing. Thanks again for listening. If you found this episode helpful, please let your friends know by sharing it with them. We're so excited to see the growth of the podcast, and we know it's only because you are sharing it with your friends and family. You can also help other people find the podcast by rating the podcast and leaving us a review. Next week, we have a couple of new friends with us, Howard and Danielle Taylor from Marriage on Deck. You're going to love them. It's a rich conversation. We hope you will join us then. Have a great week, and we'll see you next time on the Art Espousing Podcast. Until then, bye-bye.